0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Gotta, gotta have the nourishment. Romans 14 and verse number 22 If you're there, say amen. Amen. It says, Hast thou faith, or do you have faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. I want to teach for a few minutes this evening, and I am not, uh, I am not racing the clock to 8.30, all right, uh, or I'm not dragging the clock to 8.30, I guess I should say. I'm on the floor a little early, uh, that's good for you, and when I'm done, that'll be good for me, all right, I'm going to make some friends tonight. I am, I am on assignment right now, and I'm on assignment until I'm done but I guarantee you it won't be till 30 or after, unless the Lord decides to do something different. So you may be seated. Lord bless you. I want to, I want to teach for a little bit tonight on this subject. Things to allow... In your relationships, Uh, might be a little bit on the practical side tonight uh, versus the extremely spiritual, uh, but the Word of God still supports it, and I think it's important. I think it's, it's, it's definitely important. We live in an age where relationships are broken more now than ever. Uh, I, I heard recently, I, I've honestly, I, I admit I've not had an opportunity to really uh, vet this statistic for complete accuracy, but I heard recently that uh, the divorce rate was climbing high into the mid-60 percentile now and has is, is gone above the halfway mark. So relationships, not just in marriages. Uh, Bishop, I was, I was studying through some notes and... I've, I've gleaned this evening from a, a series that I taught in 1999, it's been a day or two ago, uh, a marriage bible study and uh, for, for several weeks and sessions uh, in, uh, in the second church and we just had a wonderful time, there, there's still days I still think about that brother Freddie. Uh, we had a good group, good crowd and we, we enjoyed ourselves. Uh, But I'm gearing this tonight more, uh, not just to marriages, but to our living standards as people. uh, Our relationships, our friends, uh, as well as our marriage and our home. Because unless you are a modern day hermit, you probably leave home. I know Brother Don does. There's a certain number of hours in the day. I know where to find him. And he's sipping his coffee at the cafe, the Golden Arch Cafe. So he leaves home, and he's socializing with some people. So it's important that we understand a few fundamentals on how to compose our socializing. Because we're not like everybody else. Amen. Amen. Let me rephrase that statement. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. There is supposed to be a very distinct and specific difference in us. According to Romans 14 and 22, that difference is that a man is happy if those things he allows into his life do not condemn him. I've seen many of people condemn themselves by their own actions. You don't have to condemn them. They do it for you. So it's important. The word allow simply means to approve or sanction something. So there's certain things in our life that we either need to allow or that we don't. That's that's the bottom line. Some synonyms for the word allow are let, permit, stand for, that's a powerful term in our in our church uh, ranks. Consent to entitle, grant, pass, approve, yield, acknowledge, or tolerate. What you tolerate in your life will help dictate your behavior. I'm pacing myself because I do have plenty of time and I want to make sure that it's sinking in along the way. What you tolerate and what you digest is what you become. I was taught growing up, and you can look at me tonight, I realize that I am the specimen of dietary greatness. Hey, hey. we've got plenty laughing and my wife's louder than all of them. That's all right. I've said it with sarcasm. I know it's not true. But I can remember growing up, they taught me, Bishop, in school, that you are what you eat. It's probably still true. I won't tell you what I am. But the things that you tolerate... Dictate and determine your behaviors. If, if you are ingesting into your life all day long a bunch of junk, then guess what? Your behaviors are either going to patter themselves after junk or you're going to be living a constant tug of war. Why am I fighting all the time? It's because of what you're listening to. It's because of what you're watching. Amen, TV watchers. We have to control the things that come into our life because the things that come into our life come into our spirit. We cannot afford in this hour to be indecisive about our salvation. No one gave you your salvation except God. No one can take it away from you right. except you. Right. And we do that by our behaviors and by our actions. Right. We need conviction. Yes, we do. Right. Amen. Amen. We need conviction. We need godly people who are not afraid to say, this is what yes. I believe. Instead of, it's what the church believes. If you don't know what this church believes, you need to find out. Amen. Our actions, both in the church and outside the church, should be consistent. The world is looking... They're looking for us to be a model pattern after Jesus Christ. And that's what his expectations are from us in our walk with him is that we grow. I'm not the same that I used to be. Thank the Lord. Some of you are saying, thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all got spiritual real quick. I'm not the same I used to be. Why? Because I grow. If, if your baby's born, if, if how old's Lucas? It don't have to be exact. Fifteen months, she's going to spit off the number of days and hours here in a minute. Fifteen months old. If fifteen months from now, his behaviors are the exact same as they are today, there's a problem. Because there's an expectation for him to grow. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the same in your walk with God. If you're behaving the same today as you were the day you were baptized, somebody's not growing. And God expects and desires us to grow. Our speech should be holy. Our speech should be clear. Our speech should be consistent. I would say that our speech should be the same in the church as it is outside the church. But some people say things inside the church that they shouldn't say. So it's not a good measuring stick. I've got to alter my statement. Our speech needs to be patterned after the word of God. Now in saying that I'm not talking about you've got to go around Brother Zach talking in the King James. I walked past Brother Zach the other afternoon and We were speaking King James back and forth to each other. I think he won. I gave up. That's not what I'm talking about, but it should be holy. It should be above reproach. If all you did was replace your curse words with slang words, you didn't accomplish anything. God expects some very specific things from us. Titus chapter 2 and verse 7 says, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. Let me, I want to pose a question to you this evening, and certainly since this is not a forum, Uh, I'm not asking for a verbal response, but I want you to think about something tonight. If you were in a room full of people that did not know God, and if they closed their eyes and listened to you talk, would they know the difference between you, uh, or between them and you? There should be a different sound. Because he said sound speech that cannot be condemned, if we sound like the world then our heart is indifferent it's self-condemnation that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you we are supposed to be a model example of Jesus Christ I, I, I told Pastor a couple of nights ago uh, I was bragging on Brother Zach Brother Zach you can close your ears I don't want you to get the big head and trip and fall and make a mistake but I was, I was bragging on Brother Zach uh, because he works at the same place I work uh, I told him when he made his application you get your job on your own you lose your job on your own no favors because we go to church together and he has done absolutely that over the last two plus years that he's been there And he has developed within him, his relationships there, a very good and positive image as an employee and as a person. I have people, not just by my observation, but I have employees coming to me saying, you know what, I think an awful lot of Zach McGee. You know what, I like him because he cares about what he's doing and doing it right. Apostolics should be model employees. Not people back in the corner taking a nap or calling in sick when you're not sick. So, my my compliments, Brother Zach, I'm, I'm proud of you because that's what we need to be hearing. Is he perfect? No. See, I just deflated the the air out of your balloon. I'm, I'm sorry. Does he make mistakes? Yes. But you know what I love about it? When somebody calls him on something, his response is just as godly as it is when he got it right. I've not once ever seen him get red in the face and stomp off like a little girl. Because he's an example. Our behavior should be representative of the giver of our salvation. So in this lesson tonight, I want to I focus on some things that we should allow in our life. We, t- we often talk about a whole lot of things we shouldn't do. I want to focus for just a few minutes tonight on things that we should do. And it may not be what you've built up in your mind that it is. And if it's not, I apologize for the disappointment. But the first thing that we should allow in our relationships is growth. There's one, thing, there's one thing that Leadership 101 and Christianity 101 have in common. You never stop learning. Sister Margaret, I still learn something about God almost every day. I was raised in the apostolic church. I don't know anything else other than research. I've never personal Bishop, I've never personally experienced anything else. Right. Yes. This is all I know from personal experience. But I still learn something every day right. about the goodness and the greatness and the wonder of God. So growth is a process. You, you don't just get saved and... Punch my ticket, I'm on my way to heaven, I'm done. Your salvation is just your birth certificate. You have to grow now. And if you don't grow, Lucas is going to pass you up. There's a process to follow. Growing times are sometimes painful. Because we don't like being told we're wrong. Right. But just as a tiny seed must penetrate the soil, so is the person that's growing. Right. You have to persevere if you're going to grow. Yes, you do. We can't grow stagnant with each other or our relationships with God and the church or our marriage or our families because there's too much at stake. There's effort and discipline involved in growing. And the interesting thing about growing is if you don't grow, it's nobody else's fault. That's right. That's right. Because we live in a society that is, that is inbred with a, with a spirit of entitlement. Yes. Uh-huh. I don't want to do anything, but I want you to give me benefit for it. Right. It's entitlement. Uh-huh. God doesn't bless entitlement. No, he doesn't. Right. God does, God's not the author of entitlement. God will bless your effort and He will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But I am a firm believer tonight, and Bishop can correct me if I'm wrong, but I am a firm believer tonight that God is not obligated to do for you what you are well able to do for yourself. I see no evidence in Scripture where God blessed laziness. The curse for man was sweat. I'm I'm, I'm oozing curse right now. The curse for women was child labor. Nothing in this life comes easy. And I hate to disappoint you tonight, but that includes your walk with God. So if you think getting... Uh, repenting, getting baptized in Jesus' name, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost should make everything in your life easy. You're wrong. Because all that did was save you. All that did was redeem you. It did not erase your past. It does not erase your consequences for yesterday's actions. Growth requires patience things to grow, there must be a waiting period. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, Adopt the pace of nature. Her secret is patience. I've heard it, and I experienced it too, a little while ago, a few days ago maybe, but sometimes young couples see older couples and what they have and what they've attained in life, good marriage, a house, cars, and a job, and some level of, of security, and they want that right now, probably if we're all honest with ourselves, we were all there. It seems to be a little more uh, obvious today than it may have been decades ago. That won't work for anything. And I'm honestly not on my soapbox tonight, I promise you. But people, people have a bad trend of not wanting to work to get something. But Benjamin Franklin said he that can have patience can have what he will." So the question is, is how bad do you want it? Do you want to grow in your relationship with God? Great. How bad? Because you don't just wake up one day and boom, you look in the mirror, you're a spiritual flower. You might be a thorn for a little while. Before you ever see the rosebud. Another thing, the second thing that we need to allow into our life is dreams. Bible said without a vision we perish dreams your dreams, your spouse's dreams, your children's dreams, your family's dreams, your family is important news flash not every decision that is made in your family is about you so again I want to ask you a question, I want to provoke you to think tonight, I want to ask you when was the last time You asked someone in your family what they wanted to do, and you did it. I'll I'll tell you. I'll use my family as an example. We have this. We have this uh, uh, playful banter back and forth between the three of us. Where you want to go eat? I don't know. What do you want? Where you want to go? I don't know. What do you want? We're we're so giving and caring, we can't make a decision. Why? Because we're trying to prefer the other person. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, The profoundest thought or passion sleeps as in a mine until an equal mind and heart finds it and publishes it. When you help another person flourish and blossom, the fragrance of their success perfumes all that you do. Sometimes life becomes a series of keeping appointments, going to work, taking care of the necessary things at home with families and kids and the job and the house and the cars, and everything that makes the world go around and such that dreams are put on the back burner. Husbands and wives get on this merry-go-round and they see each other spinning, spinning by, but they never see each other with quality time. To the point that they're lonely and unfulfilled Just barely making by with doing what life requires But I want somebody to understand tonight That life is about more than just living and dying God's purpose for our lives And our marriages and our homes and our families And our dreams and our passions and ideas Are that they are considered and fulfilled Living for God should not take your dreams away If living for God robs you of your dream, you've got the wrong dream. Fulfillment comes through contentment. And true contentment only comes through an active participatory relationship with God. Through worship, through praise, through devotion. For the Bible declares that godliness with contentment is... Somebody... Great gain. Thank you, Bishop. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, it's obvious. Now, I'm, I'm going to use this as an example, and there's, there's nothing wrong if you've got the, the money and, and you, you can still feed your children and, and live life and meet life's necessities. If you want to buy a, a new couch every year, God bless you. If you want to recarpet your house once a year and repaint the walls once a year, more power to you. I think even if I had the money, I wouldn't have the energy. I know I wouldn't have the energy or the time. But if you want to do that, that's your prerogative. But I could tell you, some people do that type of stuff just because they have no contentment. They're, they're searching for happiness in areas to satisfy, and they, they can never find it. Uh, some people do that with cars. Now, I, I love cars. I find a car, I'll keep it one I've got right now, I intend on keeping for a while. took me too long to get it. Some people, they shop cars like other people change clothes. That's okay. More, I, I don't think that's a sin. But I think we also have to search our motive. I, I know there was a day that, that Bishop, well, he still likes to wheel and deal. The right, right mood strikes him. And if he can get the chairman of the board to sign off on it, He's going he's to will and deal something. But I can guarantee you in the process that it is not skewing his priorities. It's because of a love for something and a passion for something, not because he's not contented. How you know if you're content or not is can you do without it. Automobiles are cold steel. Houses are brick and wood. Clothes are cotton and wool. All of these things are dead objects. There's no life in them whatsoever. Yet much of our life is spent attaining them. While dreams that actually affect our life and our families and our marriages go untouched. All in the pursuit of conveniences. It's not a sin to have certain tastes and wants. But when that becomes more important than God... There's something wrong with our priorities. If you've got to take a second job to afford that house, you shouldn't have bought it to start with. Amen. I I didn't expect anyone to run and shout tonight. I guess it's a good thing. These are things we need to allow in our life. Because if these things are not in our life in a healthy measure, something will take its place. We need to allow, number three, we need to allow forgiveness. A Boston newspaper once printed the following words. He who holds a grudge injures himself more than the one against whom he cherishes the spirit of spite. Hatred and malice, like anger and worry, are injurious to the body since they poison the blood. More serious is the injury which they bring to personality. A bad spirit paralyzes the powers which should help define our natures and make for finer character. And this spirit of ill will has a strange way of increasing for a grudge is the only thing does not, that does not get better when it is nursed. A newspaper published that. Every relationship Friendship, courtship, marriage has its ups and downs. This world says walk away. God says hang on. Life gets burdened sometimes. Henry Ward Beecher wrote, I can forgive but I cannot forget is a statement that is another way of saying I will not forgive. It's a touchy subject. It's a necessary one. Matter of fact, I, the Bible even tells us, I think, in the New Testament, and I'm paraphrasing, but that if you come to pray and you've got aught with your brother, you're, you're to leave. You're not, you're, you're not to even continue giving your gift and sacrifice. You're to leave, go make it right, and then come back. I fear sometimes that our worship service is hindered. Not because God isn't real, but because what we're trying to bring into his presence. And it just might be that we need to stop trying to bring some junk into the presence of God, make some things right, and then come back clean and try to worship God. Forgiveness should be like a canceled note, torn in two, burned up, so it can never be read again. When you forgive something, you don't talk about it. And probably, I think I'm probably right about this, but probably the hardest person you're ever going to have in life to forgive is yourself. But that is no less important than forgiving someone else of a serious wrong. Another thing we need to allow into our life is cooperation. For people to exist together, they must be pulling together in the same direction. Too often it's like a tug of war. You're pulling one way, somebody else is pulling another. Well, I'm right, so I'm going to win. So I'm just going to pull a little harder and I'm going to, I'm going to bear it down and I'm, going to, I'm just going to stay here for a while. You know, like the anchor position in the tug of war. He's in the loop, so he's not going anywhere. Genesis 11 and 6 says, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. When people are united, Anything can be done. Now, that's, that's a, it's a natural statement. But let's think about that just for a moment in the spiritual. Imagine what change takes place spiritually. When we're in the house of God together, and instead of tug-of-warring against each other, we decide to pull in the same direction. So the question is, whose side are you on? That's the real question. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 25, and Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Unity is important. Unity is important. It is so important spiritually that if you come to church and and people are singing and they're worshiping and you're not because you're mad about something, it shows. It shows both in your countenance and it also shows in the delivery of the Spirit of God. Because we can through our disobedience, quench the Spirit of God. God's a gentleman. pastor says that a lot. God's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. But what you do, whether you're on the front row or the back row or the lobby or the nursery or wherever you're at, what you do has an impact spiritually to what God is allowed to do in the house of God. So it's important. Author Walter Knight tells a story about a well-groomed man who stood for several minutes watching a muscular delivery man heaving at trying to move a heavy box. It was almost as wide as the doorway through which he was trying to move it. The onlooker asked, would you like for some help? Would you like for me to help you? He said, sure thing. For two minutes, the two men on opposite ends of the box, they lifted and they pulled and they sweat and they grunted and they yelled and they they did everything they could do, but the box didn't move an inch. Finally, the volunteer helper straightened up and he said, whew, I just don't think we're ever going to get it out. And the delivery man said, get it out? What's wrong with you? I'm trying to get it in. cooperation goes a long way. But before you can fully cooperate, you need to know what your purpose is. We need to understand our purpose. My purpose, first and foremost, is to worship. You can never underestimate praising the name of Jesus. Your battles will be won in worship. Your victories will come by faith in worship. So it's important. Lastly, we must allow faith. It's important. It's important for many reasons, but faith needs to dominate our life and our home. There is no room for disbelief and doubt in the child of God's life. Now, I'm I'm not saying that you are lost if you have disbelief and doubt. I'm just saying that that's not God's intention. And there's no room for it. We need to get rid of it. Faith. A medical doctor once stated the following words. He said, religious attitudes of mind help keep men's bodies healthy. Attitudes such as love, faith, hope, unselfishness, forgiveness, tolerance, and a desire for justice and truth set the body at rest and strengthen it physically. Anti-religious attitudes such as hate, envy, jealousy, guilt, vanity, malice, vindictiveness, and selfishness put a strain on the body and are conducive to the development of disease. So, you can't tell me that our attitude doesn't matter. You're not only affecting people around you, but you're affecting yourself. And that's not God's design for His people. For the Bible declares that the people who do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I tell you tonight, this isn't in my notes, but I do not believe it is the will of God for His people to continually battle sickness. I, just, I refuse to believe it, Bishop. I don't think it's His will. I don't think it's His purpose. Well, what's the answer? I, I don't pretend to know the answer, but I know what it's not, and it's not the will of God. So not only does faith leave you feeling better physically, but it also affects your mental health. Hebrews 11.6 states that it is impossible to please God without faith. So if it's impossible to please God without faith, then it's impossible to please each other without faith. I'm, I'm, I'm closing. But don't... Don't let, and I I know, and I I say this transparently without sarcasm or malice, but there's a lot of stupid things that go on in this world. And and that has a way of, of putting you, that has a way of making you callous after a while. It really does. But don't let other people's ignorance destroy your faith and support for other people. Because our duty as the church is not to believe in others' mistakes but to believe in their potential. The potential they have through God which was the same thing somebody did for you. Somebody saw potential in me not because of what I was as the own song says but because of what I could be. And it's our duty as Christians to reciprocate that to somebody and invest in them Bible studies, teachings, devotions, prayer, and support. So we need to allow growth and dreams and forgiveness, cooperation and faith. When you cooperate, a whole lot of things get done. But the number one tool for cooperation is to lay aside our own personal agenda and say, okay, God, what, what do you need? I'll give you just a small, small, just a very small elementary example of that. Uh, a week or so ago, we had come up to the music at the close of, of a message I don't remember when it was. It may have been last Sunday. I'm not for sure. I, I've slept since then, I hope. But I can recall, Bishop, we was getting ready. To, we was getting a song together and, and trying to find the, the mind of God for that altar service. And we had just picked a song. And I was getting ready to start playing it. And Pastor turns around and he says, I want to do this song. All right, now that may not mean anything to you. But I've been in environments where that's happened and the piano player and the musicians and the singers, they may have done it, but you knew they didn't want to. And it completely wrecked the altar service. Forget about getting anybody saved because bad spirit just walked in the room. Because you can conquer devils, you can't conquer flesh. Cooperation. You know what my attitude on that is? Give me the song. It's less stress for me. The hardest song to pick is the one after the preaching. Give me the song, pastor. That's all right. I'll take it any day. And when you listen to this, I'm begging for it. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Cooperation. Faith. Growth. Dreams. Forgiveness. It's not a comprehensive list, but a small sampling of things that if you allow them into your life, I guarantee you, if there's any one of these that you're not not allowing into your life enough, I challenge you over the next 30 days. Make a change in your habits. If you've lost faith in humanity because of their stupidity and ignorance, I challenge you through prayer and worship to believe in someone. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever topic it is, I challenge you to make a change in your lifestyle over the next 30 days, and I dare you that it will help you. Why? Because happy is He whose actions do not condemn Him. That's the will of God. Let's lift our hands one last time and ask the Lord to seal this word in our hearts as we leave today.